What is up, ladies and gentle nerds? It's your boy Graham, also known as Hamhawks42 on the internet, and this is another edition of the Overthinking MTG podcast, the show where I generally take a look at a random magic card and talk about it for at least 10 minutes. Today we're not going super random because it has come to my attention that I recently dropped the uh, the name Johnny um, I, I toss it around quite a bit on this podcast with the expectation that you guys know what the heck I'm talking about. And I realize that's probably not fair. So today actually kicks off a three-part series where I'm going to be breaking down the psychographic profiles of Magic the Gathering players. So to get things started, just what the heck is that? Well, a number of years ago now, Mark Rosewater and his development team at Wizards uh, actually did a study on the players, who was interacting with the game, and what it was that they were enjoying about it. That way they could understand why are people playing the game, that way we can lean into those aspects and really crank up those dials, and meanwhile, you know, maybe avoid, um, basically know what makes people happy, know, know what bums people out, because you got to know the people who are out there in order to make them happy. And they found that the player base of Magic the Gathering falls within three categories. And these aren't perfect categories. Um, there's a spectrum of each. You know, so if you look at one and think, oh, that's definitely me, and then you hear another one and go, oh, but that's definitely me. That's okay. That's normal. Um, but the three main type, the three name, one more time, the three main psychographic profiles have also been given names, just kind of as a humorous, like, code names from, as I understand it, around the office at Wizards, and uh, they've been leaked, actually, by leaked, I mean, they were part of a keynote presentation that Mark Rosewater gave to the Game Developers Conference, I believe it was in 2016, I could be wrong, but there's a keynote presentation, I'll be sure to link it in the description, if you want to go listen to the whole thing, um, it's incredibly insightful, actually. He explains what he's learned. There are 20 key lessons that he's learned um, from developing Magic for 20 years. It's actually re- it's a really great speech, actually. And But in there is the psychographic profiles. And those are, in no particular order, Timmy, the power gamer, which we'll get into that. Um, we'll get into more on, on Timmy a little bit later. We also have Spike, the tournament grinder, which that one, it, it's pretty self-explanatory. However, the one that I want to talk about today is the one that I personally identify with the most that I've mentioned a few times, which is Johnny Combo Player. Now, Johnny is the type of player who enjoys finding odd interactions between cards and putting together combos. The way that Mark Rosewater puts it is, Johnny comes to the game looking to express something. So Johnny is the kind of player who sits down to play a game of Magic and has some bizarre interaction. And even if if he wins the game, he or she um, wins the game, but doesn't execute the combo or execute the game plan that they came out to do, they're likely going to be a little bummed out about it. Flip side to that is, if they lose the game, but they are able to execute the combo that their deck set out to do or create the game state that they were trying to make, they're probably going to be pretty happy. Um, yeah, the way that the way that it was phrased is if, if each player plays... Ten, so if you think about if Johnny sits down to play 10 games and they lose seven of those games, but in three of those games, their bizarre, like, three-card combo, infinite mill, like actually went off they're going to be happy that was a successful outing for johnny and that's definitely where i fit in i love taking a look at 
different cards, see how they interact, and creating moments and crafting moments. And it definitely, this particular psychographic profile leans it, lends itself to more creative players. So the folks who are trying to build a unique experience with their cards, and there are certain cards that I play specifically because they're bad. You know, I will intentionally play the second or even third best option to produce a certain effect. And people will ask, why are you playing that instead of this other one? It's like, well, because it's this one. That's why I'm playing it, because it's bad. And I want I want to make this card work. And that's the objective. What is the objective when you sit down to play a game of Magic? If your objective is just to win, then you're probably falling more into the spike category. And that's the other thing. No... No one of these psychographic profiles is inherently bad or inherently good. They're all individuals who are trying to get something out of the game. That's ultimately what it comes down to. And if you look at things like the Commander Rule Zero conversation, which if you're not familiar, in Commander, the whole point is the game is casual and it's fun. And it's a it's a place where you can play with your cards. There are no prizes. There are no, um, there are no titles. There is no world champion. There, it is purely designed to sit down and have fun. So if somebody comes down with an incredibly dialed-in deck that is designed to completely destroy their opponents and win at all costs, what you're going to happen, what you're going to have happen is somebody who sits down at the table to see if they can pull off a nine-card combo because they thought it would be fun going up against a deck that is designed to be just streamlined right down the middle, it produces friction at the table, and that's something that commander players who've been around for a little while, you, you see that. It happens, and that's why the power level of your commander deck matters. Well, that's why there are so many formats, too. That's another way to look at it. Because magic is many things to many people, each type of player has their own has their own desires and their own goals. And so if you're a Johnny Combo player, you're probably going to want a more casual format where decks are given an opportunity to breathe, where you have an opportunity to set something up and to be able to create and craft a moment. Um, this actually, yeah, if you ever find yourself um, on Arena, well, who am I kidding? Okay, so this entire show is unedited and unscripted. And I knew that I came in with the understanding that I wanted to talk about these different psychographic profiles. And I had assumed, based on the intro, that this was going to be a discussion of just Johnny Combo Player. But the truth is, it makes far more sense for us to talk about all three of them um, together. And so this one might be a little bit long, but that's okay. Uh, also, you'll notice that if you're on the YouTube video, I do have a card up right now. And I had one up for each of these different profiles. And um, that's because the different psychographic profiles were actually immortalized in a silver bordered set not too long ago, or in various silver bordered sets. And Johnny Combo Player is kind of fun. He's a 1-1 human gamer for four. And at any time you can pay four, search your library for a card, put that card in your hand, then shuffle your library. Yeah, it's, it's great. Because, uh, yeah, oh, and if you ever thought, if you've ever heard an opponent say, oh man, if only I had drawn this chances are they are like, oh man, I was just one card away from doing this. There's a really good chance that you were talking to a Johnny. Um, but let's go ahead and take a look at some of these other, some of the other profiles. So we also have Spike, the tournament grinder. Now, this is the kind of, 
a lot of content that is out there on the internet is geared towards spikes. And there's nothing wrong with that. Again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But uh, personally, spike is the least, um, it's it's the one that resonates with me the least. The idea behind spike is spike is an individual who wants to win, period. And ultimately, where Johnny wants to express something Spike wants to prove something. Spike needs to be better than you. Spike needs not even necessarily better than you. It's not necessarily a matter of putting someone else down, but they need to be the best. They need to be their best self. They need to be a strong player. And as a result, the people who are competing in in high-level tournaments, the people who are competing with prize monies, for prize money, and the, the Magic the Gathering competitive professional elite a lot of them, if not all of them, are spikes. And, you know, primarily spikes. And that's okay. Again, there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But that is the mindset. That competitive mindset lends itself to the competitive scene, naturally. And so when there's so much esports coverage and there's so much emphasis being placed on the ladder in arena and getting to mythic and that idea of competing to try to win prize money and all these different tournament events, when you keep hearing about them over and over and over again, it's easy to think that, oh, this is how magic is played. This is what magic is, is this this competitive esports environment. And that's not actually true. That is what magic is for Spike. And that's, again, that's great. The fact that Wizards of the Coast is leaning into this mindset and leaning into giving Spike a place to play, I think is great. I'm all for it. I believe that quality esports coverage and the pro tour and the idea of magic celebrities is really cool. Like, I like that a lot. There's a certain mystique to it that uh, I think we can all aspire to. And the truth is, while I am the least spiky person you are ever going to meet, I'll be honest. Actually, I was just thinking about this today. If I were to sit down at a commander table and I started, okay, think about, here's a thought experiment for you. If you were to, my point is I'm the least spiky person you'll ever meet, but if you were to sit down at a commander table and emblems were randomly dealt out to everybody that modified the way they could play the game and you couldn't interact with them, they were just set static rules for you and you flipped over an emblem that said, you cannot win the game. So you sit down to a commander table with your friends with a deck that you tuned up and you flip up a randomly assigned card that just says flat out, you can't win this game. How do you respond? And do you play or do you just say, well, okay, I guess that's it. I quit because I'll be honest. I would look at that and just go, okay, whatever. (laughs) And I'm going to shuffle up and I'm going to try to create the experience and the moment that I came there to create. Because I don't care whether or not I win the game. I don't. I never do. Fun fun fact. Like when I'm able to steal a game at the end, it's kind of neat. But I don't care. And that's the question. Do you care? You know? Because if you care, that the amount of caring about how much you win is how much of a spike you are. And if I know there are some people, even in Commander games, who I've talked with or who I've sat down across from, who have actually said, like, I have heard a commander player doing a pickup game with random people at a local game store say, well, what's the point if you don't win? And I got to admit, my heart breaks a little bit when I hear that, because it that's that shouldn't be the point. 
That should never be the point. How do you define victory? Is winning the game the only way to achieve victory? And I'll tell you right now, if you're in a tournament setting where wins and losses are immediately you know, tabulated to determine how successful you are. And if you have aspirations of going pro, yes, winning's the point. And there, you, and there are formats for that. If you're playing in modern, if you're playing in standard, then having that mindset fits the format. But sitting down at a commander table with that kind of a kind of an idea, I don't know. It doesn't really make sense to me because a successful victory at a commander table to me is a group of people enjoying each other's company when a fun night is had amongst friends. That's a win in my book. Maybe that's maybe a little too after school special, but it's true. And so as a result, you know, it's really clear that I'm not much of a spike. I'm just not. And that's okay. Um, but, and so the, the, the idea behind a spike is how do I win this game? I must win this game, period. Like mono red aggro in any like 60 card one-on-one -on -one format that's spike territory like and again there's absolutely nothing wrong with that but if you find yourself if you're one of the folks right now who hops onto arena and jumps into a standard ladder and just rolls their eyes when they're going up against team of reclamation again chances are you're not much of a spike but when you just like roll when you if you think okay here i got the mirror match let's go <clears throat> then maybe you are anyway nothing wrong with that but finally, there is one other psychographic profile that we haven't touched on, um, and that is Timmy, the power gamer. So Timmy is a, where a lot of people start. I know that when I first sat down with Magic the Gathering, I was a Timmy. The idea of Timmy, and so and again, the un, the uncard actually really helps bring bring it home. Oh, and actually, the spike uncard I didn't really go into it, but it's it's a one one for four, as all these are, with the ability of paying four Phyrexian mana. Um, choose a card you own from outside the game that has been banned or restricted in a constructed format. Reveal that card and put it in your hand. And uh, the reason for that, the the joke there, is that people who are trying to win at tournaments and really, like trying to make Magic a profession have to fit into that spiky mindset. And in a lot of those cases, uh, they end up purchasing the biggest and best cards in whatever their format of choice is because that's how you win the most games. You know, you have the strongest deck and you play it very well like those you need to have the, both of those and so if you're consistently trying to build the strongest most powerful deck in the format well those are the cards that get banned and so that's why you have world champions who have whole binders full of banned cards because they had to buy the biggest strongest baddest cards in order to succeed at whatever tournaments were going on at that time only to have the cards get banned out from under them that's also why you see bans strategically occurring around tournament schedules that's why like wizards will come out and even say like yes we understand that this card is problematic however we have an international qualifying tournament this weekend and if we banned all these cards right now basically what they're saying is potentially hundreds of people who have spent potentially hundreds of dollars on these decks would and who have already paid entry fee and you know in the world before covid19 potentially booked flights and planned events all of a sudden would no longer be able to play with these decks and they have to start over from from square one and i know a lot of casual people are you who, who aren't necessarily worried about grinding who really just want to have fun on arena go well who cares that's such a small fraction of your player base however 
The truth is they are enfranchised players who have invested in this product and invested in an experience, and we need to respect that as well. And so I think that makes sense. And so if it if it means you need to wait a week, two weeks for uh, for Field of the Dead to get banned, well, it, that is what it is. And in the meantime, I guess we're playing Landfall Mirror Matches in Standard for a little while. Or we're playing a different game. But anyway, that's beside the point. So, so that's Spike. Timmy, Power Gamer, let's go ahead and go back. And again, if you're ever curious... Okay, are these shows really not scripted? Mm-hmm, for sure, they they way are. So, Timmy, Power Gamer, this particular <laughs> this card is a uh, it's a one one for four, uh, like all of them, and you can pay for put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. And the reason that that's especially cool is because Timmy really enjoys big splashy plays. The card that is um, that that Mark Rosewater uses to exemplify. Timmy is Verdant Force, which if you're not familiar is a gigantic, it's like a 7-7 for 7 in green that creates a sapling token every turn. Now, a Spike or a Johnny would probably look at that and just go, it's just big. Like, that's really all it is. Now, a Johnny might look at that and go, okay, well, I'm getting a token, a sapling token every turn, so can I somehow synergize with sapling tokens, possibly by having something that, where Uh, If something enters the battlefield, I get a trigger or something where I can sacrifice tokens to do something else. You know, so those kind of synergies are the things that Johnny would think about. Spike would look at that and go, it costs seven. I can't play it. It's just too expensive. It's inefficient. And it's not going to help me reduce my opponent's life total fast enough. So why would I play that? Meanwhile, Timmy would look at that and go, holy cow, this thing is huge. It's awesome. Let's go. Because... Ultimately, and I think a lot of players who play like Grohl Stompy style where it's just big monsters doing like swinging, like just if, if it's if you're ramping up to really high numbers, there's a good chance that you that you hit that Timmy mindset. If you have put a Hydra's growth on an Ajani's pride mate. I got some news for you. You're probably a Timmy because there is something just really satisfying about seeing those numbers tick up each turn and. I actually I I think mono white life gain in standard right now is a perfect home for Timmy the power gamer because Heliod and Ajani's pride mates and to a lesser extent things like bloodthirsty aerialist and Vito like they just actually maybe not Vito so much Vito actually could be spiky but in regardless it gets big if you want to have a 100 100 sitting on the battlefield then that's that's your inner Timmy talking because there's something just so incredibly satisfying about swinging with something really big. There's something incredibly satisfying about just having the strongest board presence. Um, yeah, and so it it's funny when you think about like large mono green creatures. That's Timmy. That's exactly what. And you'll notice actually the artwork for. Timmy Power Gamer, the card, um, is actually a uh, a gamer with a handful of magic cards uh, dressed as a dragon or a dinosaur. It's I'm not exactly sure which, but it's it's a pretty humorous image because um, the whole idea is make it big, make it splashy. And the way that Mark Rosewater in that speech refers to it is Timmy wants to experience something. The goal of Timmy the Power Gamer is to see something big and splashy and to f- create something, well, not, not even necessarily to create something big and splashy, but to have a big, powerful experience. They're the person who wants to get their opponent down to negative 50 life. They want to be able to swing in with a 150, 150 trampler or hit a fireball for 99. Like that, those moments when things are just huge for the sake of being huge and you feel 
like you have complete control over the game, those are your Timmy moments when it's just, mm, and just think things just, you just want to flex, you know, and there's something, there's something to that. And there's something so incredibly satisfying. And if you are out there and you have not, um, and you, and you have not like double or like strapped a fire shrieker onto something to swing for lethal and didn't get a little thrill out of it, then you got it. You got to give it a shot because it feels great. And there is that little, there is a childlike joy that comes with big, powerful plays. And that is the, those little moments when you get that little thrill, that's your inner Timmy coming out. And so if you find yourself, if the kind of satisfaction that you seek in a game of magic is executing a big, splashy play, then you might then you might be a you know primarily a Timmy. Now, with all of these different psychographic profiles, there there's a spectrum. We all have a little bit of all of them inside of us. You know, I identify as as Johnny. You know, my goal is to create a cool machine, a cool experience, and share it with people. That's what I want to do. That's what I enjoy about the game. Whether I win or lose, I want to be able to do something fun. And I want to share an experience with my opponent. And that's why, like, I love losing when my opponent does something cool to beat me. I love it. Like, see, I would rather lose every game to against original decks that are doing something fun than win every game against the exact same deck over and over and over again. Honestly, I would. And that's, I know that makes me weird. Well, but that's, that's my Johnny. Now, that said, it doesn't mean that I don't get tilted if I can't, if I'm not getting there. You know, if I'm losing a significant number of games, I'm going to get a little frustrated. And there have been times when I've been really grinding the ladder and really going for it. When I let my inner spike take over and I got a little frustrated that, you know, my, you know, the decks that I was running that weren't necessarily top tier, but I thought were still very good and tuned very well, weren't producing the effects I wanted that guy got a little salty not gonna lie and it's easy for my inner spike to take over in those moments and to be fixated on the W that happens it absolutely happens and it's a part of me that I don't really necessarily like however if the experience that you seek when you sit down to play Magic the Gathering is to best your opponent and win the game then chances are you're probably more of a spike than anything else and if at the end of the day you really just want to buff a shivan dragon up and just hit for crazy lethal um then you're probably a timmy and i gotta say there's something super fun about that um there's definitely something to be said for that and there's no shame in any of these they are all fun beautiful ways that we can experience the game and i just wanted to take a minute today and talk to talk that over so like i said i had anticipated this being a three-part series but let's be honest um it just made more sense to do one long episode so here we are so thank you so much everybody i appreciate you and you know what if you want to if you if you have any requests for this show don't hesitate to hit me up on discord i'm also on twitter at hawks 42 don't hesitate to dm me over there and you can catch me on twitch twitch.tv slash ham 42 thank you so much for listening and i will catch you next time